Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. Okay, so our guest today is a set decorator. And I know Taryn and I are so excited to chat with you because we have never talked about set decoration on the show before. Um, Her name is Beth Kushnick, and she is originally from New York, but she has been working on your favorite films and movies for the last 30 years. I'm not even going to name all of them because there's so many, but... um, (laughs) The Good Wife and the spinoff The Good Fight, films like Jumanji, National Treasure, Anchorman 2, many, many more. And she just recently started a podcast called Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home. Beth, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I have so many questions because I, you know, well, first off, I love The Good Wife. Um, I thought, <laughs> I remember, and you know what's funny? I, wa- I mean, I watched it years and years ago, but I remember vividly loving especially like alicia's houses i loved the set in that show because it just was so warm and so cozy and you just wanted to walk right in there and have a glass of wine with alicia and um and i'm so thrilled to know that you did it so it's pretty cool thank you you know we always uh i think had success with that uh show in particular because it seemed so unattainable and yet it really all came from retail sources. So, you know, there was uh, always the way to get the good look of the good wife. And um, uh, we had licensed product for the show uh, for many years. So people could actually buy furniture that uh, was used on set. But, you know, uh, through blogs and podcasts, I've been able to interface with a lot of the fans and give them the exact paint colors and tips. That's funny. (laughs) That is so funny that people can reach out and do that. I mean, we've all found houses we love in movies or um, and even TV shows. And it is so funny. I've never thought about reaching out. I'm always just like searching the web. I've never been like, I know some, I know the set designer. Let me reach out. (laughs) Well, I will tell you that interestingly enough, uh, that was a big change for me after over 30 years in the business to be able to have such strong fan engagement. And I continue to have that happen pretty much for any show I'm on. So uh, yeah, the fans have become extremely proactive. (laughs) Well, I would imagine it's also kind of different for a television show too. And and in a second, we're going to need to rewind and, and get some background, but I imagine it's different for a TV show too, because it's so it's lasting for a long time. You know, it's, it's not like a movie where it's sort of like one and done a TV show. I mean, the good wife, it has multiple seasons. So you're every episode, you're kind of getting a different view and, um, exactly. Whatever TV series I take on, it has multiple episodes usually that are shot every eight to 10 days. So the amount of home decor, uh, set decoration that I'm, you know, looking for and putting together is pretty massive. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's a ton. Okay. I want to fully back up because Caroline <laughs> and I do this all the time. I want to know more about you, Beth. How did you start in this? How did you get to where you are and how much do you love it? Oh boy. <laughs> okay. Um, so I uh, started in the theater, uh, design and uh, painting and art was always my passion. I grew up in Manhattan and was lucky enough to attend good, uh, really progressive and creative schools. And I was always interested in theater and design. And uh, I started at Syracuse University for scenic design and sort of cobbled together my education from all different places. And one thing led to another and I started working in the theater and then got on my first film and the rest is history. It's been, uh, it's been a, a long, interesting development. Um, the Good Wife definitely was the game changer in terms of my engagement with the fans. I've always been a behind the scenes person. And, you know, really before the internet, there was no way that, you know, everyday fans w would have access to any of us, you know, below the line crafts. Um, but in the, in the beginning days of The Good Wife, actually CBS was getting so much fan mail for the set that they were checking it for anthrax because that was the time. Um, and a very smart, uh, PR person who was, uh, at the network at that time said, you know, we should get you a way to engage with the fans. So I started a blog, uh, where I would take questions and give retail sources. And, you know, that's what I continue to do. I've, I've gotten hundreds of photos of people's living rooms and questions about their coffee tables and, you know, uh, where to get the good look, get the same kind of aesthetic. So uh, the fan engagement's been really interesting. I I've done uh, Twitter chats, uh, you know, simultaneous with shows airing. I've had groups of people... Um, from all over the world discuss my rationale um, in making a decor selection that I've made, um, sometimes to an extreme, but, you know, <laughs> uh, but, you know, the fans, the fans are really committed and they're mm -hmm. very smart and, you know, they all at this point have really well-trained eyes. Mm -hmm. So, you and, know, um, a pause button, which you used to not have. Exactly. You know what I mean? You have it on your DVR, so you can. Yes, they they screenshot my work and send it to me. <gasps> Will they even like read out a title of a book on a bookshelf and be like, "Why is this yes. here?" Like symbolism or yes. something? <gasps> There's so much <laughs> oh, interest. You know what we call those things? We call them Easter eggs. Mm -hmm. And many a time, uh, there have been planted Easter eggs. Sometimes from my own crew, um, there's a cat lover and kind of in every set for, uh, you know, many seasons, that cat would show up so in little funny. undisclosed places. I love it. So, um, 
you know, the, the thing about also gathering through the years, being on different shows and having different mm-hmm. shops, uh, you know, in our warehouse, we keep all of the items that we purchase, you know, from regular retail sources. And uh, I recycle and reuse, mm-hmm. um, of course, items except for when they're iconic to a certain character. Right. Um, okay, so I want to I want to know more about you know where you start because and, and especially with the television show where you know you're in the early days of the show you know in the pilot even maybe you're getting to know the character and you're developing this set that you know is going to be you know or could potentially be around for a long time so you know you're building a law office or you're building exactly a, um an apartment so how do you get to know the character and and like where do you build this world from well uh always you start with the script and when you're starting on a new show it's kind of you know how the writer and director see the trajectory of the show. You know, we go through all the kind of normal uh, assessments. What's the socioeconomic level of this character? Um, From that to what is their skin tone and what color will look good? You know, what's their their color palette? Mm. So... Um, once those things start to get put into place and we decide, are we shooting this on location? Are we shooting this on a stage? What are the sets we're going to put money into building? Then I start to develop a backstory and that's kind of my, my fun. That's really uh, the part of being a set decorator that's always thrilled me. And whether it's seen or not, and I'll tell you that it's pretty much rarely seen, um, I am the one to fill every drawer and hang clothes in every closet and, uh, you know, put the magnets on the refrigerator and have the kids' art hanging on the bulletin board because I think it's important um, to develop the layers of life on a set I think it's important for the actors. It's important for the different directors that come. And inevitably, every time you're told, oh, don't worry, we're not going to see in that closet. Every time that (laughs) happens, you you know, you know the reality. At some point, oh, let's Mm -hmm. open the closet door in this scene. Yeah. So um, I like to have it as, um, you know, richly developed. And that, you know, that includes mess. Um, you know, really how people live with their, you know, keys in a bowl and their business cards. And, you know, that's, that's the length that we, uh, we go to, to make it all feel right. And myself and my team are always saying, you know, oh, that's not Diane. Oh, that's Alicia. Or, you know, that, that, I mean, we, we really like take on the character and then there are some, you know, color choices that are very, very, very specific, um, and really known, uh, to be, you know, the major part of the development for, for each character, you know, and then we get into what's too feminine, what's too masculine, um, 
all those levels of things that in the end, it feels, you know, the goal is for it to feel as natural as possible. But all of those, what may seem like minor items are developed and thought about. Yeah. Well, I had, I did sort of, you mentioned um, even like decorating the mess and making it realistic, which totally makes sense. And I, I was curious if there's ever a challenge because, you know, yes, you obviously are creating a set. It needs to look realistic and lifelike. But is there a balance between that and having something that's not going to be distracting in, you know, when you're trying to focus on the dialogue or the actions or whatever? How do you, how do you Completely. balance those two? You know, the, the big difference between feature films is inevitably, and, and really now with screens, home screens being what they are. But, you know, in the, in the good old days, a TV show was seen in a small rectangle. And, you know, you think much differently. I'll never forget going to see a movie of my past, like early on. And uh, one of my set dressers hung something with a black drywall screw, which I never noticed at the (laughs) actual location, the day we were shooting. But here I am sitting in a major New York (laughs) City movie theater and that black drywall screw was the only thing <laughs> that I could look at. And really the only thing I saw. And literally from that day forward, because many of my team have been with me for some for over 10 years, some for over 20 years. That's my pet peeve. That is on my pet peeve list. Mm-hmm. No black drywall screws. I love it. <laughs> Do you have any it's others that stick with you? Like that? Well, um, it, well, first of all, I'll tell you that's total, total behind the scenes uh, information. Yes, I don't think I've yeah. even talked about that on on my podcast. But you know, <laughs> I I have um, you know, I I have a system and 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 the way that I like to dress a set, and this is another of my pet peeves that they know um, is you know you you do the floor plan first. So we come into a set after the construction and scenic department have, you know, or even my guys have, set dressers have laid the floor, laid the carpet, the wallpapers in, the uh, switch plates have been cut out, maybe some sconces have been hung or a chandelier has been hung. So my first thing that I do when I approach is to get the floor plan where I want it to be, how the camera, how the actress will be able to move within the room, what the camera sees. And then we take it layer after layer after that. So let's say the furniture's in. Next, we do the draperies. Next, or any kind of window treatments. Next, we'll start with lighting, table lamps, standing lamps, as I said, sconces and chandeliers. And then we start to move on to maybe bed linens, if it's a bedroom, and and soft goods. And then artwork, which is a major, major aspect of dressing a set. You know, finding the appropriate themed artwork, hanging it properly. And then, of (laughs) course... With no drywall screws. With no drywall screws, yes. (laughs) And, And then coming back in and layering the life of the character in Mm -hmm. with all these, you know, 
little items. And of course, there's also this aspect um, that's very important to me. And another pet peeve is, you know, kind of set dressing in an ergonomic way, in a, in a logical way. So you sit down at a desk and, you know, if the phone is at the top right corner, even though it's on the desk, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you're yeah. really working it and sitting in, you know, I, I move around and sit in different angles and, you know, constantly adjusting things based on what feels right. You know? That's true. Because if, you know, if the character is reaching across the desk in a really awkward way for the phone. It's not going to work. It's going to look weird. Yeah. It's something I would have never thought of. Uh, you know, even things that people feel are correct, um, like, oh, every sofa has to have two, a pair of pillows, you know, a pair of throw pillows. M- maybe that, you know, doesn't work for how the scene is going to be uh, dealt with, how the actors are going to move. A big mm-hmm. part of the furniture that we designed <clears throat> for the show um, had the concept of how the actors sit in each piece, what they look mm-hmm. like. And and uh, there were times actually when we would design a piece that uh, just worked on set because it, you know, had to support an actor's back or we doubled up the pillows. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are all those kinds of details, um, how heavy the furniture is on set, how difficult it's going to be to move because, you know, the, to make space for the camera, you shoot one side of the room and then you move all that furniture and put the camera on that side that you've just shot and you look in the opposite direction. Right. So, um, you know, making things film friendly is one thing. Also, you know, uh, making it look real and uh, just what it would be in your home we, you know, we really go to great lengths for that. All the practical little touches, switch plates and, you know, what period something might be and uh, what's right, what's wrong. You know, we bring in air conditioners, radiators, all the things that you might find already in your home. It's interesting. I like the I like the kind of concept of ergonomics, or even just how you're going to sit in this in the chair. Because if you think about it, I mean, it makes total sense for a camera and for a TV show or a movie. But it also makes a lot of sense just if you are in you know trying to pick a sofa for yourself. I mean, try to Completely. think about what action is it, and how do you want to be sitting when you're doing that action? And you know, if you're going to be like lounging back, feet up, watching television, it's a totally different you know, way to sit versus if you're going to be leaning forward, eating a cocktail, you know, off your cocktail table and drinking. Absolutely. How, who, I mean, that, that's the whole point of, you know, my work now interfacing with fans is, you know, what's your character? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what's your lifestyle? And of course, you know, we talk pre pandemic and post pandemic now, Mm -hmm. but you know, say that you are really never in your home during the day because you're at work. So, you know, your favorite space or your paint color for that room that you want to lounge in in the evening, you know, might have to be thought about and altered based on your lifestyle. 
Right, if you're using it at night. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because there was a, um, you, I think you posted this on your Instagram, and it was um, Alicia's Florix dining room, and it was purple. And Egg I thought plant. it was such a pretty yes. eggplant. I'm sorry. Yes. And, <laughs> and it was such a beautiful color. And I, it sort of made me think about, um, you know, the difference that you might have picking a pink color for a set where it's going to be lit with all these camera lights. How does that affect the way a color is going to look in a room? And, and like, if you gave us the actual paint color, would it really look good? We do a lot. Of, yes. The, the Those particular colors are, are, like Alicia's bedroom color was my, my bedroom color that I was living in, uh, you know, when we started. But um, first of all, I'm a big fan of paint because I think, you know, no harm <laughs> with with a can of paint. You know, you can really uh, do no harm. And it's so smart that uh, retailers are giving these large swatches now and you know always my recommendation is that you look at the swatch on different walls at different times of the day a rainy day a sunny day before you decide what you're going to do but um yeah it's um it's really a part of developing your story but also i would always recommend that's a place where you can take a risk um you know i was thinking about uh what Ballard design affords everyone uh, to me that's the most uh, interesting is that here there are traditional shapes of chairs and sofas, but your uh, fabrics just run the gamut to the point where someone could really just take a risk with one piece of furniture. You know, maybe it's just where you've always wanted to have that animal print you know, but you don't want to take it throughout your whole decor theme. <laughs> right. Totally. And, and we talk a lot on the show about how, you know, it should be fun. Like, obviously we, you know, it's a, it's an investment to buy furniture. We totally get that. But, um, but have fun, express yourself. And, you know, there's such a thing as calculated risk where you, you're taking a risk, but you, you've put a lot of thought into it and you're really making a smart decision, even though it, might feel kind of scary. So, um, totally. And I love your, your call out about paint because like you said, it's first off, you can paint it yourself. It's pretty easy and, um, certainly pretty affordable, but you can make a huge difference. So, and I, well, and also I just love that eggplant color. It kind of makes it's, me want to use it. Like, where do I use it in my house? <laughs> you could use it. In, you know, I, I call the entryway of houses, jewel boxes, and to me, you know, as long as the walls end logically, you know, uh, and that it's kind of a symmetrical space, you know, not leading in or, or you can make that, that bridge, you know, where you're leading into a living room or a different a hallway or something. But I, I love to take that risk both in, you know, like the jewel box idea of a, of an entryway, um, and of course, in a powder room or any bathroom. Um, talk to us about the color. I, well, and I just love the, the idea of what you're saying with the skin tones. So how do you, I mean, do you just kind of go off your closet? How do you know what what color or what sort of iteration of blue is going to flatter you? I, I think that's a really interesting thing. And people probably don't think about that when they're choosing a paint color, but picking a color that's going to look flattering, make you look good. I mean, why not? 
choosing a color based on your skin tone really is something that uh, ends up, I think, boosting your spirit. You know, uh, you're you're um, creating this new space. I do agree that if you just open up your closet and see, you know, what tones you live with, what tones you wear, uh, that can inform your home design decisions. And, you know, people have very um, extreme reactions to color. I think that it takes a certain amount of, uh, a certain amount of strength to say, okay, I'm going to go out of my gray box for this and take a risk. And I, you know, I really encourage it because especially with spending so much time in our homes in, in these days, there's so much to be said for um, how color can affect your mood and your lifestyle and your thoughts. And, you know, this is the time to look into maybe even more calming, soothing, zen-like colors and everything. Those are all the colors of, you know, last year and will be, I'm sure, the colors of, of 2021 because it's a lot to take in, you know, creating these work environments, home environments, learning environments all together. Yeah, we've been talking a lot on the show about... Um color coming back. And I think certainly after this year, you know, it's just like you said, it's just a mood booster. And we've had, you know, a lot of neutrals um, over the last couple years. And I, I used to be a neutral believer, but um, I'm now I'm now more a little <laughs> bit more on Taryn's side of the field. Where I am so excited. I've been I, I, I think I think the part about color that and maybe this is why a lot of people like neutrals, but it used to scare me is committing to a color and like loving it for a really long time. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I think there's a way to hold on to that. Mm -hmm. And then again, you know, find a place for a, a, a new palette. And, and also in the last few years, I think we've gone so neutral that, you know, it's great when it's all different tones of neutral, but that can also uh, not look cohesive. You know, grays are very hard to uh, live together. You know, there's warm grays and cool grays. And I think that if you just stay in one palette without uh, broadening it a bit, you know, that doesn't usually work. My whole color world is involved by pulling colors from nature. So even if you love the beiges and the grays, there's still, you know, a russet color in nature. There's still the beach glass. There's still other tones. And what I've always found is that if you're doing that, uh, let's say from your inside looking out, you know, if you've got a big... Uh, sliding door or a big bay window, it kind of extends the view. So when you, you know, when you're surrounded by those colors on the interior and then you're looking at them on the exterior, it, it really makes it a, a bigger picture. 
it seems too like like colors from nature they just have a lot more staying power because you know exactly. you're never going to change the color of those fall leaves outside that's or, right you know the hydrangea planted in your front yard or whatever it is so you know you're gonna and and you know we actually we just just did an episode all about paint and we were talking about um nuance in paint and i do think that's kind of one of the reasons why natural colors um are so well it's stupid to say classic because <laughs> but you no, know they, just, they they're are so classic, lovable but you know there's 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 such a wide range when you think about even you know how many whites there are and and how many people use different whites for trim and for ceiling color you know that if if there wasn't a need for the variety and a desire for the variety you know everybody would use the same white but you know that's uh if you want to teach yourself about color and uh you know really think about it i i love looking at just a white paint chip card you know like a you know, you're look you're looking at literally three sheets of different whites, and you know there's where you can start to really pick up nuances. True, yeah. If you look at a paint deck of just white colors, it becomes immediately obvious that this one has more pink in it. This one has more brown. This one's more green. You know, yeah, totally. I want to ask you and. Karen, you gotta jump in here because I feel like I'm hogging this whole thing. But um, there was a shot that you posted, and I want to say it was of like um, the law office in The Good Wife. I, I it, it it actually doesn't matter which set it was, but um, it was a room, and it had there were like a couple different views of the room, and I noticed that each of the lampshades in the room, and there were like a couple pairs and some sconces and stuff, but each of the lampshades was totally different, and that is something that I wanted to ask you about because um oh you are you speaking know. my language <laughs> <laughs> i mean um, that's like you just you just like hit me in the gut <laughs> that's 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 my story you know right there um i am a you know i'm just a lighting geek and i uh i try to do um I try to use what we call practicals on set. So the actual lighting that the director of photography, the grip and electric department are doing is being um, kind of honored and pushed by giving them a practical lamp right in a spot where it feels like it needs to be lit, you know? So mm -hmm. I don't always do, you know, pairs on every end tables on either side of a sofa, you know, I'll do one larger lamp and then maybe uh, a standing lamp. And, you know, when I was talking about, you know, the structure and the schedule of how we dress a set, the lighting is something that really takes time and finesse. But after all these years, you can really see it quickly. When you are dressing a set, whatever color it is, and you look at a room from any corner and every single lampshade is the same tone and the same shape. It is redundant and it's, it's not enhancing the whole room, you know, just like, just like throw pillars are different or, you know, a pattern in the carpet is different than the 
sofa fabric, you know, lampshades are a, a, a form of dressing and function, you know? Um, so it's very important to balance them. You know, I, I've been seeing lately, um, and also recommended myself, you know, just the change of a simple lampshade can even say holiday, you know, without a big statement, uh, of, of, you know, real decorations. It's more, you know, a statement of decor. So you're right. Um, I work hard at that. And I, I'd say like probably the biggest um, area that I've ever uh, developed and had in any of the shops that I've ever worked in was the lighting aisle, um, I, I've, I, of which I've also posted pictures, not only of our lampshades, but, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm queen of the harps. So. Oh, okay. Well, tell everyone about the harps because they can oh, really yeah. make a break. Everyone can learn. Of it. Yes, yeah. this is a good way to learn. There is a harp <laughs> that attaches to the socket where you turn on the light and the lampshade sits on the harp. The piece that screws on top of the harp is called a finial. And there are gorgeous finials. There are standard finials. There are finials that are like the cherry on top of, you know, mm -hmm. an incredible lamp. And then you see a, a, a finial that matches and it's almost like a piece of decorative hardware. Um, for me, you know, another, another uh, dealing with the set dressers is, you know, the size of harps because they run from five inches to eight inches. A harp is what balances the lampshade. So if you have too high a harp, you see too much of the socket. And now you're also controlling the light in your home. So, you know, you don't want everything to be facing downwards where the light is coming out of all the same lampshades, you know, facing downwards yeah. or facing upwards. Uh, you know, you've got to think about, uh, think about all of that. And it is, really an aspect of decor that can change your whole space yeah yeah and i think people don't well anyone listening to the show now is obsessed with lighting because we talk about it so so yes. so much yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> but yeah i think most people just don't you know it, it can be expensive and it just seems like as long as you can see what you're doing why right it know, seems functional but, <laughs> yes yeah. it seems functional yeah. but you know, in, in very small ways, you can make a change to your decor. I mean, you can, you, you can find an old, you know, beautifully toned lampshade at a flea market, you know, or, or at a yard sale, you know, wherever those might be happening at the moment, but you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's just as simple as actually changing your light bulb or. Um, exactly. And I yes. think we've talked about, I'm trying to remember, I know we've talked about it before on the show, but um I recently recommended to a friend um, a like a little plug-in dimmer. You just plug your lamp into the dimmer and the dimmer into the wall, and even that could just. I mean, it's ten dollars on Amazon. Even that could just. We could really exchange help, this podcast for my last recorded because oh, really? <laughs> it's exactly what yeah what we're talking about because you know here's going into the winter. Uh, you know, many people have a, a seasonal disorder based on lighting, you know, that they literally need more vitamin D, they need more light in their life. There are these, uh, you know, light box 
uh, fixtures that are made for exactly that. And again, I think this is really uh, important during this time where it gets darker earlier and we're about to spend so much time in our houses again. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, a little bit of uh, mood lighting uh, can, you know, create a lot of happiness. Is it time to do a decorating dilemma? Yes, let's do it. Um, Okay, so this is from Amber, um, and she writes in and says, Hello, ladies. I'm a 25-year-old graphic designer, and my boyfriend and I purchased our first home. It's a 1959 ranch. We painted the walls agreeable gray by Sherwin Williams, and we ripped up disgusting carpet and refinished our oak floors. Overall, I think it has come together nicely for the first phase of our life here, but after listening to the podcast, there are certain pain points that are bothering me. Um, Her first one. The dining room. We are currently looking for a light fixture that isn't brass. We love the idea of silver accents. My boyfriend fell in love with this farmhouse table and chair set so that we included that. It's not my favorite, but we have compromised sometimes. <laughs> um, I purchased a 6 by 9 Ballard Design seagrass rug for the space as well. My question for the space is how can I add more storage in this space for linens, extra dishes with such a tight space? Um, my first thought was to add a cabinet a few feet away in the living space that would store these kind of items and contain our awful Wi-Fi router. My second thought was to save up for a console table with storage for the entryway underneath my mirror. I think this console table and the lamps look a little off with the more style I'm going for. I love the feminine southern traditional style seen in Betsy Mosby and Alexandra Kaler's style. Karen and I also love your dining room. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on how to add the storage and how to make the pain points look, for the lack of a better term, better? Also, there are random wall plates that aren't switched out, etc. We're currently in the middle of a rewire, so it's kind of a disaster. Thank you so much, Amber. I love when they call out things that maybe we wouldn't have right, noticed, right. you know? <laughs> oh, I would notice them. Um, so, uh, yes, so, the black. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm allowed to say in looking at your photos? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So they send them in. It's just a listener and they want your advice on what they could do for okay. storage. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, Amber, I'm looking at the photos of your dining room, entryway and living room. All the Ballard design pieces look fantastic. I think that you have more space than you think you do because there are so many possibilities of uh, console tables, even cabinetry that has a very small depth. So I agree with you that the entryway could turn into a small depth cabinet. I think you might be able to actually do that uh, in front of the window in your dining room. Because it looks like you can move the table back and create more storage space right there and maybe dress that window with um, shears behind the cabinet and different colored legs of curtains on either side. I also Mm, think that there's um, an interesting, almost visual... trick that happens uh as as you know when you look at a home any room in particular when it's empty it looks much smaller 
than when it's actually filled with furniture. I'm mm -hmm. sure when you first saw your living room, it didn't look like it could hold both of these sofas as well as, as having space for traffic patterns and movement. So I, I do think that there are many choices in the Ballard catalog that you could look at that you might now think won't fit. But if you get your tape measure out and do a lot of work with your tape measure, especially in the depth measurement, mm -hmm. I think that you're going to find some things that'll help you with storage. Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea of putting it in front of that window. Like, I mean, if it were me, I would almost go like as big, like as, big as, as possible. Width. Yeah, as I big would as too. And then that can be your buffet in the dining mm -hmm. room. You can put candlesticks on it. You could put small lamps on it. You can even use the lamps that are in the entry because I, I do think they're too big for that table. Yeah. I was thinking, um, you said you mentioned something about wanting a new light fixture. And one thing that I was thinking that could be kind of cool, and we had, um, there are a couple of designers we've had on the show that do this a lot. One of them was Kath Kidson. She did it. And um, Tom Shearer does these a lot. Just like a huge, oversized paper lantern over your um dining room I think it'd be really cool and they're so affordable and, and I have a few reasons why so let me explain first off I think that like your dining table and legs like it's very leggy I almost feel like you need something like they are with more sort mass. of stumps yes so I feel like a big paper lantern will just it has this like wow you know and go like as big as you can. And a beautiful Everything. glow those paper lanterns have. Yes, Especially yeah. if they're on a dimmer, you could get mm -hmm. great light or you could get moody lighting for the dining room out of that. The other thing too, and this is to um, what Beth said, is if you do scoot your table out a little bit, you could always kind of swag your um, paper lantern on like the cord or whatever over a touch so it's still centered, you know, that way you can get a little bit more depth. Um, over by your window. Mm -hmm. um, I also yeah. think that under the small window that's next to the fireplace, to the right of the fireplace, mm -hmm. that that is another space that looks like it could hold, you know, a, a not too deep uh, cabinet for storage. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Or a bar cart. Oh, or... a bar cart would be fantastic there. It would kind yeah. of like serve the dining room and the living room. I wish we had a photo of like the third wall like of her living room. Um like I want to see what's on the like across from the love seat. Mm -hmm. But um I mean if it, it looks It looks like just, window. It looks like window yeah. and kind of empty space. So right. maybe consider putting some, you know, upholstered benches or some armchairs. Well, um, I, I also think uh, a great thing to do would be a catty cornered, smaller, funkier mm. chair facing the sofa. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, just mm -hmm. to ground that corner over there. And, and like, and like you said, make it funky, like do a pattern. Oh yeah. That's where you just yeah. look at all of the, fabric choices available and kind of go a little extreme and i do think you need some side tables because where are you putting your coffee right or your wine you know yeah because <laughs> like you need some and, and she's she's young she can lean <laughs> to that coffee table. <laughs> well she might need a tray for that coffee table mm. yeah 
Uh, no, I, I also love the idea of putting um, something because to be honest, with um, the back window, you're really just looking out at a lower set of furniture. Um, and I'm assuming mm-hmm. then you can see somewhat of the backyard, but you know, because it's not like an ocean view, I'd go ahead and make a beautiful little moment there that also provides storage. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that was a great idea. And then some great totally. art on the big wall behind will be. Oh yeah. That'll, that'll be solid there. And, you know, I, I also think like, it seems like the mirror is is gold. I know the fixture you have there is gold. Although we did talk about you, you know, you could lower that fixture and mm-hmm. and make it interesting with some really great colored little lampshades. True. So totally. I do think she she needs a little more color, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> We're all big fans of color, though. So yeah. that's hard. Yeah. I'm like I could definitely shove a lot of color in here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, I feel like you know, she has such a good base. Paint, oh, mm-hmm. it's such a good base, and you know, using that huge double window in the dining room, you know, both with some shears even or some linen legs, and you know, go with the color there. Some mm-hmm. painted chest yeah, or cabinet. Idea. Yeah, I think it's good, you, I, Amber. I think you're further along than you. Um, then you think I you was are. just going to say the start. same thing. It's a good start. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I wasn't this good at 25. I still was dragging <laughs> things from college. These look like real pieces of furniture. <laughs> totally. Oh, well, awesome. Well, thank you for writing in, Amber. Yes. yes thank keep you for the listening. faith. Keep Congrats working on, on it. New house. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, and Beth, thank you so much for sharing all those fun mm-hmm. things. It's such a re- very cool um, career, and I love hearing about it. Thank you for having me. I hope everybody will continue to send questions. I'm actually going to base one of my podcasts on uh, fans' questions. So get them to me at my Instagram, which is Back Home Decor, B-A-K Home Decor, D-E-C-O-R. I also want to tell everybody that my latest uh, TV project is a period piece called Bridge and Tunnel which was produced and directed and written by the actor Ed Burns. And we just had a couple of big months of fun doing uh, sets that were all about the 1970s and early 1980. It's going to premiere on Epics on January 24th. So uh, perfect. Take a look and stay in touch on Instagram. And thank you so much for having me. We loved it. We really enjoyed it. Yes, thank you so much. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcastballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy happy decorating. decorating.